Good morning, punters, and uh, welcome to this week's episode of Bet With Brilliance, obviously uh, with Nick Lloyd again this morning. How are you, Lloydie? Very good, Hornet. Uh, yeah, looking forward to another good weekend of racing. Uh, a few big guns back uh, this weekend, so it should be good. Yeah, a lot of stables uh, bringing out their, like you said, their big guns, uh, starting off their campaigns for the autumn and then looking towards uh, another big spring. Um, yep. Some of them came out last week, um, and due to some technical reasons, we couldn't get uh, couldn't get the podcast out there, which I'll I'll take the blame for. That was my fault. Um, and we'd we'd had a look at a couple of bits and pieces last week. Um, the likes of Enthar running on on Saturday in the Chairman's. There was the Group Two Expressway, uh, the Manfred Stakes. Um, so we'll get in and have a look at that because I think the biggest talking point from last weekend was the the manner in which Enthar won that, that chairman stakes at Caulfield. Yeah, she was pretty impressive, wasn't she? Um, sort of just relaxed nicely in the run and uh, put them away pretty comfortably in the end, obviously. I don't think she beat all that much, but ingratiating is no slouch. So um, she's certainly deserving favourite for a blue diamond, that's for sure. Yeah, no, I think ingratiating will make a good horse, but you're exactly right. Um, she didn't beat a great deal and... You, you said that she relaxed quite well. And I, I said to you, I don't think I've ever seen a sprinter drop their head on their chest the way that, that Enthar did. Um, mm. It was a real, a real stayers type of, she just looked really relaxed um, through that first, that first half of the race. Um, yeah. That was just something that I noticed. And I mean, I could be completely wrong and, um, could be well off the mark, but yeah, that was just something that, that I saw that really impressed me. Um, yeah, it was good. We then had the running of the Manfred Stakes, where the likes of uh, Asa and Tagaloa returned to the track, um, and neither of them were able to get up. It was Portland Sky that that um, that took out the Manfred and, and caused a bit of an upset. I think it was a close to ten dollars. Yeah, look, it's one of those races that you, you see it happen a bit. Obviously, ASAR and Tagalow will be looking for a little bit further in their campaigns, whereas Portland Sky's been up a while and he's I don't think he'll sort of get much further than a race like that um, over 1,200 metres. I can't see him running out of... Sh- like, I can't see him beating those two horses over 1,400 or 1,600 in the likes of probably C.S. Hayes and uh, Australian Guineas, which is where I'd imagine they'll go next. Obviously... Asa, he he probably had the he probably had the less excuses, but fitness just told late and couldn't quite reel in the leader. And Tagaloa, I thought was really good. It was three wide the trip, um, hit the line nicely, and I think he could be the sort of horse to be uh, winning the CS Hayes in a fortnight's time. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I once they uh, scratched Zion, who ran on on Friday, and I think it was the rapid racing at, at Flemington. And then I go to look at the race and we did the recording and, and it didn't get out there, but I'd said that, that Tagaloa was the bet of the day. And you could only imagine how sick I was at work when he was three wide in a five horse field. Yeah. Doesn't do him any favors. No, no, doesn't at all. Um, and then we went up to Sydney where your, I believe your best of the day was uh, Savadiano in the, in the group two. In the expressway, yeah, she was. Yeah, sorry, mate. She was really good, wasn't she? Um, it was it was her race to lose. I thought she um, once Ole Kirk was scratched out of that, 
it just sort of doubled her chances of winning and the market reflected that. She went from 350 to $2 um, after deduction. So she she found the front under Hugh Bowman and I think Huey got off and said that he knew he had won that race a long way from home, uh, just how well she relaxed. Uh, she bolted in really against against her. It was a similar sort of setup to, I suppose, the Manfred where a lot of the horses she beat, like Star of the Seas, Colding, uh, they were really good, but they'll be better over further once they get to 1,600, 2,000 metres. So two, 1,200 metres first up was never going to be their race. But they were both good in defeat. I think Colding might have run second from memory. and He did. Um, <laughs> he did, yeah. He was, it was a really pleasing return for a horse like him. So you'd imagine he'd be right on track for a Doncaster, uh, maybe even a Queen Elizabeth later on in the autumn. Yeah, and there's there's uh, something that we'll talk about, or I personally want to talk about um, coming out of that race um, that we'll get to very shortly. So um, a little bit of a different structure for how we're going to look at things and, and talk about things today. Um, the next thing that I want to look at after those main races is our bets from last week's episode. Normally we'll do that. I mean, this weekend... Uh, not quite as easy to do because I couldn't get the episode out there last week. So sorry again for that, punters. But um, I know that if you follow Brilliance Racing um, and the and the previews that that the likes of myself and yourself, Nick, put out, um, I tipped everything that came second. So I was useless. Um, I think it was five seconds, a dead heat, and two thirds. Um, but how did you go, mate? What what were you able to find apart from you said your best was Savadiano? Yeah, look, another tricky sort of day for myself. I was in a fairly similar situation, really, from from memory. I've nearly put that uh, last weekend behind me. Uh, the Sunshine Coast, it was a tough day. Horses had to come about four or five horses off the fence. Um, and if you weren't there, you were, you had no hope, really. Emerald Kingdom um, was one of the better results for myself, uh, winning the Sunshine Coast Cup under Michael Rod, just found the front, Roddy rolled off the fence, got out to the better part of the track and was too tough to reel in late. Uh, I had a handful of placings as well there. Uh, uh, what was it? Highlights was one that, you know, ran second or third at $10. We had a, we had a few all around the mark. Uh, Lyrical Girl went down early as a, I think she ran a place, Zing Along ran a place, uh, Couldn't Refuse ran a place, Polanka ran a place, Highlights ran a place, Mashani Enchanted ran a place. So, I think I only had two races all day where they didn't run a hole, and uh, but only the one winner. So it was a tough day at the office, but certainly look forward to uh, getting a few winners up this weekend. Yeah, it makes you love racing, doesn't it? When you, you spend all that time and you go through and you think, I'm really keen on today's card. And I was too yeah. for last Saturday. I was chomping at the bit. I couldn't wait for it. Um, and then I think it was from race one, I'd run second. And um, I thought, oh, great. It's going to be one of those days. Um, mm. Coming to the next part, I want to have a talk to you about who you thought was the star performer of the week. I've got a sneaky suspicion that we're going to agree, but who do you think was the best in the country last weekend? Who was the star performer last weekend? Um, oh, star performer last weekend. Look, Entha obviously hard to ignore um, her win, but she was a dollar twenty. She should have she should have won like that, and she did accordingly. Um, so probably I'll probably lean. I'll head back up to Sydney, and I, I think Savatiano. She 
she was really impressive in my opinion. She she's always promised a fair bit. Um, she's always been a really good first up horse, and she finds herself winning some of these fillies and mares races. But if they can if they can kind of stretch her out to fourteen hundred or fifteen hundred meters, I think she's the sort of horse that you can follow with confidence this campaign into the likes of a Coolmore uh, Classic or a Queen of the Turf, where she can get out in front, roll along, drop the head like she did. She could be really hard to beat. So I think Savatiano's win, while she beat Stays, resuming, she did what she had to do and she she did it comfortably in the end. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I'm I'm going to stick with with Anthar as my star performer of the week. Yep. Um, I think one of the biggest talking points going into uh, the chairman's on Saturday was that that race in in Sydney that Anthar had won so comfortably, she hadn't beaten a great deal, and she yep. didn't beat a great deal again on on Saturday in the chairman's. What she did was she put a gap on that field, and I think that was the most important part was that. It wasn't like she was a dollar twenty, a dollar thirty, and won by a head or a, or a neck. You know what I mean? Yeah. She she led and then absolutely pants them. That's um, it. Yeah. She did. And I think that's that's the biggest talking point out of the weekend, and that's why I've got her as the star performer coming into a blue diamond, and then maybe looking towards a golden slipper or something like that. But definitely yep. that blue diamond. She really put her foot down and reminded people yeah. because every time there's a two-year-old race and someone wins by two lengths or two and a half lengths, we go, are they the new favourite for the Blue Diamond? And That's it. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll put my hand up and say that General Bow wins, Jigsaw wins. Um, you've got so many horses that, that come out as well. Um, yeah. As soon as they win, you go, new Blue Diamond favourite. But That's it. Yeah. She's, she's really stuck her hand up and say, hang, says, hang on. I'm the top of the market. Yeah. Don't, Don't forget, forget about, about me. Yeah, exactly yep. right. That's um, it. Yeah, she certainly um, – I think the Blue Diamond is her race, obviously, while I'm just checking the price now. She's $2.25. Obviously, if Profiteer comes out and wins how we expect him to, which we'll get to eventually on Saturday, he'll he'll short it up a little bit. But, yeah, 225 at this stage looks a um, pretty good thing. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Now, part of what we did last week was we had our little uh, let it ride bet for the week. Uh, and it was, was your turn. Talk us through what happened there, Nick. Um, we had Elmahaha the place. Uh, obviously, race one in the highway at Sydney where he was back in grade to a class three. And I thought he was, you know, certainly I thought he was one of the best of the day anywhere in the country. He got a long way back. Uh, the leader name escapes me as if you think so or something like that. Um, it found the front very easily and Cathy O'Hara just, it was sort of Lesquetti uh, Spirits-esque is what it was. It, <laughs> she took, grabbed the horn, uh, bull by the, by the horns and really took off on it. Um, and El Mahaha got into his best work late, ran into third. So we picked up a little bit of extra money. I think it takes the kitty up to $197, mate. So that'll be um, over to you later on in the episode. Yep, exactly right. We'll probably wrap the show up with uh, our Let It Ride bet for the for the weekend, which I've really been scratching my head, out, head about uh, over the last couple of days. And we went over to Doom yeah. yesterday and I said to you, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. I'm, yeah. I'm lost. I'm, I'm terrified. So I'm, I'd um, rather it you than me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the problem is, first of all, there's so many races to pick from. 
And I mean, I've, yeah. I've only got to get one of them to place, but there's so many good yeah. things. Anything could happen. Now, exactly. I want to have a talk to you about a little bit of a look to the future in terms of the, the autumn season coming up and then even further into the spring. Uh, in terms of who you think going forward is going to be the most exciting runner in their prep coming up, who have you have you got a horse that you've got in mind? You can't wait to see where they go and what they do. Yeah, I've got I've got two really. Um, I obviously I did a top ten horses to follow this autumn, which um, I believe Brilliance posted that one up. So I won't stray too far away from those two, but um, the top two in that list uh, number one was bivouac so no prizes for really finding him i suppose he's a dual group one winner but he'll return uh in a fortnight's time so no, next next saturday sorry um in the lightning stakes where i think that's just his perfect conditions really it'll be a fastly run race with nature strip rolling along out in front bivouac can just sit off him and um say see you later alligator um in the final furlong and i think you know by the time he gets to a TJ Smith and then there's talk that he'll head overseas for a um, Diamond Jubilee. I think Bivouac's just, he's completely furnished now. He's a, he's, he's just sorted himself out and he's a, a complete package. The other one that I want to um, follow and I'm, I'll talk about him later on in the episode is Crosshaven who returns in the CF4 stakes um, tomorrow afternoon. Three-year-old Lindsay Park Galloper who, he had a really good spring carnival, and I think he was, he was underrated every time. He uh, he won the uh, Caulfield Guineas Prelude. He won another one, which the name uh, escapes me. Might have been the Exford Plate or one of those ones where he was double figures every time. And then he came out and won the Carbine Club, beat beat Asar um, after Asar went past it in the straight, and he kicked back. So I think Crosshaven's the three-year-old that I want to follow this campaign is, and I think the Australian Giddings is just perfect race for him at Flemington. Yeah, the, the point that you make about uh, Bivouac um, and going into the Lightning, um, the campaign that he'll have over, sorry, in Australia um, is certainly exciting, but then I think the biggest part is going to Dubai, and I think there's even been talk about a new market at, at Royal Ascot, Um yeah, that'll be the yeah the Diamond Jubilee by the sounds of it. Oh yes, yeah, sorry, yeah. So um, uh, that's really exciting from an Australian racing perspective. I think um, most recently uh, Chitak has gone to to Hong Kong and he's had a crack around Sha Tin and and wasn't um, as successful as we wanted him to be. But then the likes of Black Caviar has gone over to to Royal Ascot and been victorious. So we'd love to see something like that happen again, for sure. Mine comes out of that uh, Group 2 Expressway um, yep. and it's Colding. Now, personally, I've got a soft spot for this horse. I think he's absolutely outstanding. Um, his spring last year, he was first up in the Wink Stakes came into the group two, the group two, the tramway. Um, he was beaten by Dreamforce. He then went on and won the uh, the George Main Stakes and the group two, the Hill Stakes at Royal Wanwick. And he was a fair talking point going down to Victoria uh, to when he ran in the Cox Plate. And I mean, that was a massive field and obviously Sir Dragon A won. 
I'm most excited for Calding because I think finishing that couple of lengths off Savadiano has showed that he's returned in really good order. Um, he ran in that Chris Waller trial at at uh, at Rose Hill, yep. and he did some good work there. Um, what's most exciting for me uh, for him coming up in in the autumn and then the spring is please go to Victoria and run counterclockwise. I don't know what it is about this horse. Ramwick, Rose Hill, not a problem. He can run clockwise. That's easy. Something about going down to Victoria and running counterclockwise, he just can't wrap his head around it. And I I think he's up there and can have a lot better showing of 13th of 14 in a Cox plate if he just wraps his head around it and runs counterclockwise. I just think he's a better horse than that. And I'm really looking forward to, to what he can do going down there. Yeah, okay. He certainly um, put in a good run on Saturday, so it'd be one to follow for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I think he, you know, he'll run in a couple of, um, like you said, he'll he'll uh, look at something like a Doncaster and things like that, which is um, arguably Sydney's uh, biggest weight for age mile race. Um, um, handicap for Doncaster, isn't it? It's a handicap. Um, yeah. It's very early this morning, so I'm... Um, trying to wrap my head around a couple of bits and pieces Um, but the Doncaster a massive race anyone wants to go and win that Um, that's it yeah and then going down to Victoria you'd really want to see him be able to go on and and win some big races down there and maybe they have to be at Flemington Um, maybe Mooney Valley's just not his go maybe they need a a little bit bigger track yeah look I'd be for a horse like him, they've had a couple of cracks at um, in Victoria now, and he just he just hasn't fired a shot. I think I'd, I'd be surprised to see them <laughs> take him back down there. I think they'd give him a an autumn carnival in Sydney, where that's you know where most of the feature races are, unless he managed to maybe jake a spot in the All Star Mile. But I don't think he's um, I don't think he's in contention there, and that's. 1600 meters around the valley so yeah. i don't think that'll suit yeah. him either so um yeah I'd, I'd be surprised to see them going sort of straight too far away from new south wales this campaign and then in the spring depends how he how he goes but sort of similar path to maybe very elegant up until um the victorian run but yeah i, I don't know what they'll do there because they've sort of tried and tried again and it's just been failure every time in victoria so i might have given up on that one but yeah certainly if he, if he comes back well, you never know where he might end up. Chris Waller, if you're listening, bring him to Brisbane. I want to see him. I love the horse. Bring him up here. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go and watch him. Be, that could be a yeah, Doomben, Doomben Cup sort of type race. Could be his go. Yeah, 100%. Now, have you got your eyes on a, a specific race that's coming up that you're really looking forward to? whether it be in Sydney or, or Melbourne, have you got a race where, and I could bet every dollar to my name that you'll know what I'm going to say, but have you got a race that you've got your eye on where you're just thinking this is going to be an absolute cracker, I can't wait for this, this is one you've got to have the telly on for? Uh, yeah, next Saturday at Rockhampton, there's a cutest three-year-old uh, open 1100-metre <laughs> race that uh, 
real Adam goes around in, so I'm looking forward to that one. Um, <laughs> in terms of uh, in terms of the autumn carnival, uh, really looking forward to the Australian Guineas. It's always been a race that I've uh, had a bit of a soft spot for. Uh, I remember back when I first turned 18, Grunt was a winner there and had a decent go at it with all the bonus bets that I just got given for my 18th birthday. So um, I fell in love with the race and I'm really, I really look forward to it every year. So uh, we're going to have the likes of Crosshaven, Asar, Tagaloa, um, you know, if Ole Kirk comes down for it from Sydney, it's, it's just going to be a cracker. And I think it, the, it's more of a, the horses that race in the Caulfield Guineas, they're more furnished in the, in the autumn as three-year-olds. So it's like watching the likes of a, you know, I don't want to put it in the same tier as a Doncaster and Epsom, but they're that little bit older, they're more mature and they're more they're better racehorses. So I do look forward to the Australian Guineas. I would never have guessed you would come out and say a race at Rockhampton. I mean, Rocky Fawn's good for them, but that really tickled me. That was hilarious. Um, <laughs> and hopefully she gets up for you, yourself and, and Brady Nixon and Connections there. It wasn't the last yeah. start, but the one before she got up and... Um, I think first up, you said she was third, and there was a couple of shorties in that market. Yeah, she um, ran into I think they were a dollar seventy and two ten the piece, and she was she was a um, she wasn't a despised outsider. I think she ended up starting thirteen or fourteen dollars. Somebody's had a bet, not me, uh, but she ran she ran a good third. So we'll um, we'll keep the brilliance uh, racing followers in the loop there where she goes around next. Absolutely. Well, for mine, like I said, I don't think this would have taken much guessing. I've been absolutely in love with the two-year-olds these last few weeks. Um, So the Blue Diamond for me, I cannot wait for that race to be run. Even the, I think, a really good race on Saturday at Caulfield, and we'll talk about it coming up. Uh, You've got General Bow, Animo, Extreme Warrior, Marine One, Jigsaw have put in some really good performances of late. I mean, even your long turbo, but um, he's a really big, long striding horse. I think he'll probably prefer mm. a Flemington a bit more. Um, but the likes of, I mean, especially Jigsaw and, and General Bo, I'm really looking forward to, to those two. Um, and then, you know, you've got the likes of your Enthar, of Profiteer, um, yep. comes out and puts on a good display on Saturday and um, comes down for the <clears throat> the Blue Diamond. I think there's just so many horses. For me, it's going to be a race. I'll, I'll get to have a look at the markets when they open and go, hang on, why are you giving me $30 for that? You know, yeah. so I'm really looking, forward, really looking forward to that um, because, yeah, there's just been some really good two-year-olds and it's been great fun to watch so far. Yeah, certainly looking forward to it. Should we um, should we start off the on that race then, mate? While we're talking about it, the kick it off with the Blue Diamond Preludes. Yep, yep, more than happy to. So, race two at Caulfield, the girls run around uh, in the Blue Di- the Neds uh, Blue Diamond Preview. Uh, sorry, the Prelude they call it. Um, there's a couple of really good ones going around in, in this, there's uh, the likes of Picarones, Telluride, Taylor's Moment, and then Arcaded. Um, I'm finding it very, very hard to go past the favourite in, in Arcaded in this one personally. Um, so I'm not going to take up too much time. Uh, one, it's only start by three lengths. I don't think anything 
behind Arcaded has come out to do a great deal. Um, yeah. But Damien Lane has been writing really well for the Godolphin juveniles who this season so far have just been on fire. So um, from gate seven, they are predicting rain at Caulfield. I don't think it'll be a great deal. Um, I think Arcade will have uh, have someone to sit behind because either side is, and sorry, punters, I've got a little bit going on here between speed maps and form guides and this, that, and the other thing. Uh, Lady Audrey and Taylor's moment, bit of pace drawn around, arcaded there. I yep. think she will um, she'll get the chance to get a really good run in transit and and uh, and come away from them at the straight. Yeah, mate, I, I agree there. I think Arcaded's win on debut was really impressive. I, I was on something in that race. I think I've actually spicy that led for led throughout um, and Arcaded once Damien Lane sort of just eased it off heels it um, bolted in uh, so it was pretty pretty comfortable watch really um, one filly that I I don't mind is uh, Taylor's moment she's she hasn't had a win yet she's had two two runs for two seconds uh, one and a half lengths off frost flowers down the Flemington straight and then ran second to Dosh in the um, blue diamond preview for the Phillies I just think the the opposition, those those two fillies that she's come up against, she turned the tables on Frost Flowers last start. Um, and I, I feel like she's the horse that can put herself in the race and be in a similar spot to Arcade. I, I don't necessarily think she'll lead. Um, she, I think if she, she can sort of come over with Arcade and nearly let Arcade go and sit back maybe three pairs the outside or in between runners, she's got really good late sectionals. And I think Taylor's moment can be the one to finish over the top. Yeah, well, the yeah. point that you make about that is brilliant. That last race against Dosh finishing uh, half a length off uh, off of Dosh, that's a great reference. And Frost Flowers that day, I remember, was absolutely truckloaded. I think I had her as, as my best of the day and I was yeah. absolutely shattered watching the run. I think, personally, the more exciting race comes up in race three, which is the uh, the Colts and Geldings prelude for the Blue Diamond. Uh You've got General Bow at 3.30, Jigsaw at 3.80. You can have $5 for Animo, 6 for Extreme Warrior, double figures the rest. Um, I've, got, I've got Jigsaw on top here. Um, yeah. The, the biggest part of, or the biggest reason for having Jigsaw on top is he won his debut at Geelong by three lengths. And Artorias came out after that and won at, I believe it was the hillside track at Sandown and mm. gave them an absolute galloping lesson. He won by three yeah. lengths ease down, something like that. I had him as my next best of the day with brilliance. I didn't have a cent on him for the first race. And I was at home in front of the missus carrying on like a pork shop because I was just so excited at how Artorias had run. Um, so I think... I think Jigsaw on top for me. I've had a lot of time for General Bow coming uh, uh, coming through so far in his, his prep. Um, but I just think that, that Jigsaw is going to be a bit fresher and, and more ready to go on Saturday. Yeah. Look, I, I've got uh, Jigsaw on top here as well uh, for the same reasons you've said. Basically, eight-length trial winner prior to its debut run then came out and won comfortably, beat Artorias, who has since come out and won very well again. 
I don't want to jump off Marine One, who I was on in the Blue Diamond preview. Uh, ran fifth that day, double figures. Um, uh, yeah, so you're getting $26 about it. It's drawn a bit nicer in Barrier 7. Hopefully doesn't settle uh, too far away and can be finishing over the top. And the other one that um, you can still probably get an each way price about it is horse two in Enemo. Damien Oliver uh, sticks with him. He's ridden in both times, has been on Marine One the last couple, jumps off Marine One to stay with Enemo. His win last start um, back in November where he beat Forbes, got a long way back and really, really motored home late to um, get up right on the line. And he is pricked at the end when he once he got past and headed Forbes. That was over a thousand meters at on the hillside track, so longer straight there, more time to wind up. That's my only concern that he doesn't get that at Caulfield. But if General Bow and Jigsaw, you know, take each other on out in front, could set it up for a horse like Animo to be finishing right over the top. But I think he's the one out of this race that I'll be following into a blue diamond. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, that is one thing that is slightly concerning is the the tempo that they're going to run this race at. I think if they go hell for leather jigsaw and, and general bow, it's going to leave in terms of a punting perspective, um, it's going to leave the, the result wide open for an animo, a marine one, um, even the likes of extreme warrior and constructing there um, yeah. will get a cheap run in behind it. Uh, in behind them, sorry, um, and they could be a bit a bit vulnerable at the end. So, um, from a, a definitely from a racing perspective, because I won't be having a bet in in the race. Um, I want to see a nice even tempo so that every horse gets their chance in the straight. Um, yep. If you're good enough to come from the back and get over the top of these these two that have been hot in the market for the the Blue Diamond since they've you know, off their previous performances, then be good enough to do it. Um, That's it. I'd hate to see the reason that those two go down is because they went all guns blazing in the first 400, 600 and had nothing in the take to go down the straight. Yeah. Fingers crossed we, um, yeah, like you say, get a just a nice good run. Everyone gets their chance and we can see who the um, best best two-year-old in the race is. Yeah, who the, who the best one really is. Um for Caulfield, I want to draw your attention to race six, the Clanbrook, uh, Carly and Cup. Um, we're talking about one horse in this race yesterday, and it's one that I'm re- really looking forward to watching is Nonconformist. Uh, trialed, it was in that absolutely mind-blowing trial of Sir Dragonaise, the reason that he's uh, later... Uh, entered to, he's entered to run in the, the CF4, and we'll get to that shortly. Um, nonconformist is one that I want to have a look at. Uh, I think uh, in his last prep did some great work without, uh, without being overly successful. Uh, ran in that Cantala where he was only beaten three lengths by Yulong Prince and has beaten the likes of Harlem, who he lines up against on Saturday. Uh, so I'm really looking forward looking forward to seeing what he does. Um, I've also got an eye on Probabil that runs in in race seven in the Belmain Stakes, and and then as yep. you mentioned before, the CF4. I've got Crosshaven uh, there for reasons that I can elaborate on. Yeah, certainly. Um, nice race, race six. Uh, few stayers resuming, so mile it might just come down to who the best uh, fresh horse is or who the best 1600 meter horse is and 
I think you're right there with nonconformist. He um, he's never missed a place first up. He loves Caulfield. He's a two-time winner over a mile. Um, you know, third first up last campaign um, behind I Am Superman, who's pretty handy horse. Went mm. slightly amiss oh. around um, Caulfield behind Juniper and then came out and won the Coongie. So he's certainly a horse that they've always had a bit of an opinion of and they were talking him up as a potential Caulfield Cup horse for last year. He didn't quite get to that level. So hopefully um, for connections, they can sort of, you know, sort him out this campaign and we might see him go around in the likes of an Australian Cup, um, give him a light autumn and come back for the spring and target some uh, decent middle distance staying races. Yeah, absolutely. There is a lot of talk about that. Now, there is a lot more talk about going into this weekend. Uh, the first group one of the season is the the Ned CFO Stakes, where off the back of his trial, so Dragon has been entered to run. Uh, almost a bit of an afterthought, but we've both got Crosshaven on top. Now, why do you? Why have you got him on top there, Nick? I love the horse and I'm sucking for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, um, I, I just think he's a bulletproof three-year-old gelding. That's just the way that he's always been since his debut run. Like I touched on, he's always underrated. Obviously, he's $3.80, um, second favourite here in a, in a group one. But, you know, he won his first two races um, – by combined margin of four lengths. Then he came out and ran six in the group three McNeil stakes behind Immortal Love. I I wasn't I was on Flying Award that day, which got pipped on the post, but I went back and watched the replay and Crosshaven was the horse that I thought should have won. Like he he was absolutely trucking in behind and just had a wall of horses in front of him that they were they were going just as well, but he wasn't hard ridden. He went to get a gap. It closed on him. He checked off heels and ran six bit of length. So he then came out, won the Exford Plate really well at Flemington over 1,400, won the uh, Caulfield Guineas Prelude over 1,400. So that's the same track and trip that he gets here. He won that by nearly two lengths, beat Emish Boy, uh, Camborne, Asar, Savannah Cloud, Prague, Flying Award, uh, went a miss. But, um, and then was only two and a half off Ole Kirk in the Group 1 Caulfield Guineas. So... I just think first up at Caulfield over the 1400 where he's two from two, he'll he'll get a beautiful run in transit from gate four. I, I really hope that Dan Stackhouse lets Damien Oliver go on Sovereign Award. Um, Streets of Avalon can come across. Angel of Truth probably go forward as well, tends to, tends to lead. And I just think Crosshaven's going to be absolutely trucking as they swing in for home. He'll just get the runs, pop off their back and say, see you later. Yeah, it's a, a, yeah. Brilliant, a brilliant point that you make. Um, I think the biggest, one of the biggest talking points coming into the race is uh, our Cox Plate champion, Sir Dragone, lining up to run. Now, he's been supported in the market. He sort of held his money around the 270-280 mark. The, two of the biggest concerns that I have I think a lot of uh, along with a lot of other people he's never run below 2,000 meters and he's never run on a good deck um, yep. they're predicted to get between 15 to 30 mil before race one at Caulfield on Saturday the biggest concern is that's one of the best dry tracks in the country they had 50 mil before the races last weekend at Caulfield and I think they nearly got into a good three. They definitely ran on a good four. Um, 
are we concerned that it's going to be too short and too hard ground-wise for, for Sir Dragon, eh? Um, I'm more concerned about the dry track than I am about the distance for him. Um, obviously, it, it is a lot shorter than his best, but we've over the years, we've seen a number of horses that have won sort of uh, the name escapes me. I feel like Maccabi Diva might have potentially come out and won an all first up after a Melbourne Cup win. Um, There's another one whose name I can't think of going back probably 30 years or so. Uh, won a Melbourne Cup, went to Japan, came back, won the all first up. So I think sometimes the best horse in the race um, it, with with luck can is the one that wins. And I do believe Sir Dragon A going forward is the best horse in the race here. He's, he's a Cox Plate winner, which none of these, you know, maybe, yeah. I can't see anything else in this field ever winning a Cox Plate. Um, Humidor had his chance and Crosshaven. I just don't. Well, you never know. But if he was if he was going to win a Cox Plate, I think he would have won one as a three year old. Um, so Sir Dragon, if if there's a bit of rain and we get a soft five, but I just don't think we will. Uh, he can be winning, and his trial is great. It's Melbourne Cup run was good. Obviously, that's an extra mile on top of this. So. Mm. Look, now, that's why I'm not with him, is is the dry track. And it, it's a touch short of his best, like you said. But I um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him win. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely not saying that he can't win. Um, yeah. I think what I'd like to see, I mean, you made the point about Sovereign Award Streets of Avalon going forward and Crosshaven getting the run behind them. I, I sort of want to see it slightly differently. I, with a low weight... As a three-year-old, I'd love to see Crosshaven go forward, take up the lead, and just say, catch me if you can. 55 kilos. Um, these horses, the likes of, of Sovereign Award and Streets of Avalon, they – and I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, in that Australia stakes that Streets of Avalon beat Viridine in, went straight to the front, controlled the pace, ran on. Um, yeah. I'd love to see Crosshaven – do a similar type of thing. Um, that low weight, use that gate, uh, gate four. Sackhouse just says, right, if he rides that like he thinks it's the best horse in the race, takes it straight to the front, sets the pace, gets into the straight and has that lower weight and a bit more in the tank to get to the finish, um, I definitely think that he could win it that way. Um if they go too hard, the likes of Imaging can come straight over the top of them um, and win them if he gets out into a wide lane with, with Craig Williams on board. Um, yeah, that's I, – I, I know what you mean by seeing him, you know, roll, roll along in front cross haven. The only thing I worry about is Sovereign Award tends to try and break their hearts and really run along in front. Streets of Avalon from out wide will want to come go a lot, go with it. Um I just don't want to see Crosshaven get caught up in a speed battle and cook his chances because if he if he you know has a full on gut buster trying to keep up with you know the older horses here he it could you know put a bit of a dampener over his entire campaign uh, if yeah. he you know pulls yeah. up with the likes of cardiac arrhythmia or something like that touch wood that doesn't happen um, but. Yeah, that's, that's just why I want to see him take a sit on them. And we know that he can lead and run them off their legs. And I think against his own, own uh, you know, age and 
whatnot, we'll, we will see him start to do that. But in this race, first up, I'd just love to see him box seat in behind and just peel out off their back in the straight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It'll certainly be a great race to to watch for everything that, that can happen. Um, That's it, yeah. We'll go a bit further north because there's a couple of races we want to have a chat about uh, at Brandwick before we get into our best bets and then our let it ride bet for the weekend. Um, kick us off, Nick. Where do you want to start? I think I would I think as well go right to the um, right to the top of the two million dollar English Millennium for the uh, two year olds, hey mate. Yep, race five. They um, yeah, obviously pl- plenty of anticipation and hype around uh, this race. Got Profiteer at dollar eighty favourite. He um he was a great winner at Flemington on debut. He's been back to the trials in Sydney. Won that really well. Maps well. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if I jumped on sports bet now and they've already paid me out, mate. <laughs> it's um that race is definitely setting up in the same fashion as as Anthar for the chairmans. I think probably the biggest talking point about uh, the English Millennium is that Profiteer needs to come out and win by a couple of lengths um, and really really put this field away and put them away early. Is that what you're, what you're thinking? Yeah, look, I think um, he's, the, he's the one that gets the tempo in the race and uh, he'll just sit off them and go go bang, really. I yeah. um, went and, yeah, look, I, I don't know. I've been told that don't judge a horse off its first win, judge it off its second. So he's one of the ones that's only had the one start. Um, I don't know. You know, he didn't beat a great deal that day at Flemington, uh, but he did it. He did what he had to do, and he won really well. He's won his two trials really well. Uh, Mick Price has declared him the winner already. He's, if he wins, he'll shorten into about sixes for the Blue Diamond, I'd imagine, but I don't know if he's up at the same level as Anthar yet. Mate, the one horse in the race that I do keep coming back to as a massive each-way smoky, and you'll... You'll go and watch the replay yourself after this, and you'll you'll see where I'm coming from. But number nine, Ashima, is eight dollars fifty in the market here. Mm-hmm. He's had two starts: ran second to Acrobat on debut, and then ran third to Stay Inside. Which that race, there's a lot of runners in this race come out of the Stay Inside race. Now you're getting eight dollars fifty for a horse that's been beaten. 2.9 lengths in that race mm-hmm. and the horse two above it uh horse seven was beaten 3.1 lengths in that race and we're getting 61 dollars yeah now mandalon cash i thought was better than ashima in that race he, uh he was held up for a fair way in the straight uh he got checked early in the race picked himself back up uh trucked into it really nicely couldn't get out, couldn't get out. Ashima went past him and then Mandel and Cash got to the outside and really motored home late. Mm-hmm. I think the 1100 in a fastly run race, I Mandel and Cash at $61, I'm, I'm backing him each way and I'm, I'm pretty confident I'm going to get at least a place, uh, place return. Yeah, and I, I guess a, an, a good thing to, to note for, for partners out there, um, maybe they haven't seen a lot of two-year-old racing and things like that. Certainly one thing I've seen this season so far, if you've been beaten two lengths by a good horse, that's not a bad thing. 
because yep. Artorius was beaten, what, two lengths, three lengths by Jigsaw and then came out and won by, two, by three lengths himself. That's it. Yep. Just because you look at the form guide and go, oh, it was beaten two lengths, no good, beaten three lengths, no good. It doesn't mean that. If you are having a look at these races and having a look at these horses, and I will have to go and have a look now because I'm really curious about it, um, just because someone's put a margin on you doesn't mean you're a bad horse. Yep. Yep. It can just mean that there's much better horses up here and, and you're there. You're talking, you know, your blue diamonds, your golden slippers. Um, yep. And that's just going to happen in racing. And, and because you see two lengths beaten in the form guide doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to the the next race at, at Ramwick. The uh, oh, and I've got a bit of a problem here. The the group three, the Aquas Eskimo Prince Stakes. How's that for a name for a race? Um, <laughs> where there are some very talented uh, three year olds coming back. Uh, for their run in the autumn, we've got uh, Peltzer Prague and North Pacific in the order. Um, and then a couple of other handy horses that, that I know yourself and, and uh, Jared Fish at, at Brilliance of Tips on top and of one in the face and Brunelli. I think a very interesting race coming up in, in race six. Uh, North Pacific's yeah. the $2.20 favourite with J-Mac on board and appears to have the better first up record. Um, do you think it's as, as simple as the, the $2.20 favourite and, and that's going to be it? No, I don't, mate. I, um, I actually think this one, a little bit similar to the Manfred last week, where you've got the, um, the best horses in the race may not be totally suited or just have a little bit against them. And it might be a little bit of a smoky um, sort of offer a boil over. And... One, it's the sole filly in the race, right down the bottom of the page, never talk. Now, I've got a bit of a soft spot for her. She's won five from seven, and I've been on most of those times. So I'm sticking with her here. Um, I was talking to Brody uh, yesterday, and he made a good point that I, I feared myself that North Pacific from Barrier 4 may just get buried away on the fence um, a mile back and just might be, he might be the best horse in the race, but just bad luck beats him. Prague... I think is the one from Barry eight that can roll along uh, over to the fence and be the one that they've got to catch. Peltzer, he's been another one of mine for a long time. He, he'll he be up there uh, on the speed from the wide gate, but I just think there's a lot of tempo in the race and never talk. She's a really good filly when, when there's speed on and she can uh, really get back and run on. I think Randwick will suit. She's a, she, she's a winner there at her only start. I just, I just think she gets all the favours, and she, she, you know, she gets a couple of kilos off those, off those big guns as well. So, never talk at twenty six dollars. I'm, I'm going to be betting each way. Yeah, well, that's a, a great case that you make. I, uh, for myself, looking at this race going into autumn and then into a, a spring, I'm really interested to see how the top three in in this race. Uh, I speak of Peltzer Prague and, and North Pacific. I'm really interested yep. to see how they how they go first up. Um, like I mentioned before, North Pacific has that first up that profile. He's the one that's got the the win on the board. Not so much Prague and Peltzer. Um, I'm just really looking forward to seeing how they go 
in their first up run to kick their campaign off. I'm also really interested to see if someone like the face and, and Vernelli, who have been running fit, you know, the face, the face has had two seconds and his last start was a win. Um, and then Vernelli's looking to make it three in a row. If that fitness side is going to be enough for them to get them over That's the top. It. So um, I think there could be a lot of talking points coming out of this race in the, the landscape of the three-year-olds because if North Pacific, you know, gets rolled by Never Talk or, or the face for Nelly, depending on the fashion in how it's done, you know, it could be really concerning yep. for the, the Hawks stable. That's it. it, and they um they want the group one with win with North Pacific too. Obviously, is a Brazenberg Colt, so stud stud um offers Beckon if he can get that uh, group one win up his sleeve. Yeah, hundred percent. And even the races that he's lost, you just go and have a look at um you just go and have a look at the form guide. He was beaten a length by Ollie Kirk, and it was two and a half to Rothfire when they ran in the run to the Rose. That's the as Darren Flindell called him, the gun for hire, um, yep. rough fire. So that was um, that happened in the run to the Rose. And then he was beaten 0.2 of a length by Ollie Kirk in the Golden Rose. So when he hasn't won a race, it's not like he's been disgraced. He's been beaten by really good horses, which is yep. going to be massive for his value at stud. So they, you're exactly right. They'll want that group one. They'll, um, they'll want to get that in the bag. Because there's a lot of a lot of money at stake there. That's it. Uh, moving on to the next race, we touched on him lightly. There uh, is Ole Kirk in the the English sprint for the uh, English sprint. Sorry for the three year olds. Um, and we will we'll cover this race and then we'll look to to get to our our best bets for the weekend. But how do you think Ole Kirk shapes up in race seven there? Yeah, look, I think he's he's the best horse in the race. Obviously, he's a multiple Group One winner, so it's hard to hard to say that there's something better than him in the race when you're a Golden Rose and a Caulfield Guineas winner. Um, the twelve hundred first up shouldn't be an issue. Barrier Seven, slight concern just where he gets to, but you've got the likes of Prime Star drawn outside him and. Uh, Dame Giselle as well. So they'll both sort of roll along up on the speed. Um, with even luck, Ole Kirk wins and he's a clear danger to my top pick, in my opinion. Um, but I've got Prime Star on top here, mate. I made him the best value of the afternoon uh, at around $14. He won the Millennium 12 months ago. So he's, he's no slouch. He's only won two races, run second five times. So he looks a little bit like your tipping results at um, Caulfield last Saturday. Yeah, no, uh, thanks for that. Thanks, uh, mate. I just got over that. Right, that's what <laughs> uh, obviously, like, he was, you know, he's 2.8 off the theory. She's a quality mare. Um, half a length off Peltzer. Two, two lengths, oh, another three lengths off Peltzer again in the Bondi Stakes. He goes really good first up. He's run three seconds from four starts at um, Randwick, 1,200 metres he goes well. Good track, no problem if it's a wet track. He won the Millennium on a heavy heavy eight or heavy nine. Um, I just think he's the one that can get a nice little run in behind Dame Giselle and the likes of Bella Nipotina and, and run, a, run a good race here at odds. Yeah, well, I'm going to do what you did in the last 
And I mentioned this during the week and you laughed at me, which I'm getting used to and it's fine, um, is I'll draw your attention to the last horse in the race and that's Bella Nipotina. Now, her last prep, she did absolutely nothing wrong. As a three-year-old filly, she ran into some really good horses now. She ran in the Moya Stakes. Um, and, I mean, she – yes, she came last. Here's the horses that she had to line up against. Fabrigino, Jungle Edge, Hanseatic, Haydock, Ashlaw, and then you've got the likes of Diamond Effort, Bella Vella Trekking. Um, yep. Beaten by, beaten by very good horses. That's going to be a tough assignment for anyone. Yep. Goes to Caulfield in the Thoroughbred Club Stakes. Beaten a length by Swats That, and it was only half a length to Montesira. Uh, then went on to the, the anchor, beaten 0.7 a length by Portland Sky, and finished a length off Written Beauty. Those two races are what I want to highlight the most. Portland Sky's come out and beaten... Uh, Asar and, and uh, Tagalower, and you mentioned that they were looking, you know, they were short of their best, and that's, um, that's entirely right. Portland still, sorry, Portland's guy still had to go out and beat them. Um, if Written Beauty, who comes up in, I think it's race four or something like that, race three, where is yeah. Written Beauty? Race three. Race three. Written Beauty's a dollar thirty favourite. If Written Beauty comes out and, and wins well, you've got each way odds about Bella Nipotina and I want to back her because she's run in really good group races against really good horses and been close to them. Um, so she's who I'm having a look at in the race. Um, she'll settle up on, on the pace. Um, she'll be a few pairs in front of, of Ole Kirk Um with what's it a couple of kilos lighter than than Ollie Kirk. So I'm just really interested to see how she runs. The um the Dabinick Hayes team, they've taken her up and it was spoken about earlier that taking her to Sydney they think is going to be really good for her. Um, yeah, remember she won the um oh she ran second in the English Millennium last year to Prime Star as well. So certainly um yeah, she's only been to Sydney once and she put in a good run. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm just really looking forward to seeing how she runs. I think $20 is a bit over the odds there. Uh, for me personally, I think, yeah, she's just – she's run some really good races behind some much better horses. Um, yep. And this looks like – I'm not saying that, you know, Ole Kirk is a drop in grade, but the rest of the field, you know, maybe a bit of a slight dropping in grade. She's not racing – you know, handicap and wait for age group one sprinters. Um, yeah. She she gets it a little bit easier on, on Saturday and, and could be worth a look at. Well, it'll be, a, um, it'll be a good race to watch anyway, mate, won't it? There's plenty of them out there. So we'll move on to our best bets for the weekend. Who have you got on top, Nico? Um, yeah, look, best of the day for mine... Uh, it's, we'll head we'll head up to Brisbane and it's uh, no no prizes for finding her in race seven. Uh, horse by the name of Ingia. She's she's only dollar sixty five. Uh, she's won three of her eleven starts. Just starting to put it all together. She won at Eagle Farm over a thousand last start. Um, 
comfortably. Michael Rod stays aboard that combination of Golan and Rod in the black soil bloodstock colours. They're probably at 100% just about. Uh, I don't know if Roddy's might have lost. They might, he might have lost in a mean um, on a filly that name escapes me. But anyway, uh, barrier five, she'll find the front, roll along, won't catch her. And I'm going to back Roddy in in two races, back him in the last as well, um, 50 cuffs. She was, uh, he was a really good winner at the Gold Coast, beat Splendour on the grass, who's come out and uh, ran second in the Sunshine Coast Cup to Emerald Kingdom last time out. Uh, that form looks pretty good to mine. Uh, Fisty Cuffs can be winning the last at Eagle Farm. Outstanding. Well, I'm going to – I've got – Caulfield is such a, a, a big card and there's it's bets everywhere. My bets one – comes in race five it's the group three the kevin hayes stakes and i've got the toppy with la mexicana uh she comes out of a phillies and mares i mean a benchmark 84 um but they generally don't run that high in terms of a benchmark in in melbourne so she's running a really good race um proven her first up record where she's now three starts two wins and a third Second up, she's one start for one win. She's had six career ones and won four of them. She's drawn the inside gate. She gets Jamie Carr on board. She's going to be up on the pace. Um, She's running against some horses. I mean, him Dam's in there and and there's a bit of talk about uh, Pinkerman and what she will do coming off of her one win at Seymour. But looking at this field, I think that, La Mexicana is sorry, La Mexicana, I should say, is the class horse of the race. She gets on really well at, at this distance and at Caulfield, and I think she's going to be the best way to go at at, um, at Caulfield there on Saturday. Yeah, she. I've got her on top in that race too. I um, I would not be getting close to Pinkham with a ten foot metal pole, mate. I um, I cannot work out how she's favourite in that. She's she's won a won a race at Seymour. Um, you know, I could have run it, won a race at Seymour on all fours. Um, <laughs> that's the way I see it. She, I mean, she won a trial pretty comfortably um, at Geelong the other week, but trials a trial. You know, I, um, I think La Mexicana gives it windburn. I think Hindam and Parlophone go straight past it as well. Yeah, I think the biggest talk about Pinkham is that that race that she did win at at Seymour. She won by two and a half lengths and she ran it in 57 and a half. That was a soft six over a thousand metres. She did it well. So, um, I mean, I I totally agree with you. I don't think she's in the class of La Mexicana and and Hindam. Um, I'd even argue that that she's not as good as Miss Divine M, who I've run out of time for. Um, So I totally agree. I don't think she's in the same class, but she's definitely going to be there in in the race and off that one start that she's had she's earned a little bit of respect in the market but yeah i've got la mexicana on top i think she's the best bet she's the class horse she'll get the run on the pace she'll sit wherever she wants and jamie carr could ride a broomstick at the moment so um yeah that's that's who i've got on top there beautiful mate yeah i um yeah i profiteer i think it should be winning the english millennium but mandel on cash uh, um Great each way bet, in my opinion, uh, in that same race as well. Beautiful. Crosshaven in the um, CF4. Mm. 
Yeah, there's definitely bets galore to, to be had out there, punters. If you do like something, there's plenty of value going around. Well, I mean, mainly at Caulfield, everywhere at Caulfield. And then there's some to be had at uh, Ramwick as well. Now, we're going to look to wrap it up. Um, we've got our Let It Ride bet for the week. And uh, I've got the terrifying responsibility of doing that. Um, and I've just spoken about it. I'm going to have La, Mexi- La Mexicana to place. Oops. Yep. Still be out um, there on speed rolling along. She um she doesn't win. You'd like to think she hangs on for a hole. T- ticks a lot of boxes around Caulfield. She loves the dry deck. Uh, you've got to be up in the first couple of pairs to win there. Um, and uh, well, she's my I mean she's my best of the day. So so that's where I'm going to go. And I'll be very nervous at two p.m. on Saturday when this race starts. Well, what price are we getting the place? Uh, there's no prizes uh, for finding it. No. I'm trying to find so, it myself. We've got, at, well, we've got a we've got 197 to spend, and well, we're going to get about a dollar thirty the place. Yeah, I've just brought it up on. I've only got Ladbrokes on my phone, and I just look at it for the markets. Dollar twenty eight, dollar thirty. Yeah, dollar thirty with tab. We'll lock it in. Yep. Beautiful. And, watch my blood pressure go through the roof. Alrighty. So that is this week's episode done and dusted. Um, obviously through Facebook and Instagram, you can see us on here. Uh, Bet with Brilliance on Spotify as well. Um, go over to Brilliance Racing, have a look at the previews that will be done generally every Wednesday and, and Saturday uh, for the Metro racing around the country. Um, and have a look at what uh, what we can come up with. That's it. Thanks, punters. Good luck and uh, happy Group 1 racing. Yeah. Big yeah. weekend. First Group 1 of the season. Good luck on the weekend, Lloydie. Thank you very much for your Likewise. time again this morning. And we will be talking to you next week, punters. Thank you. Thank you.